Hey guys, this is Jeff the Crippler Daniels, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. Tune in. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at Steve Bowtie Bryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. I'm Dean Hill. See you at ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. And I'm your host, Jimmy Street. And this is my brother from the same father and mother, the plastic sheet, Jared Street. What's up, brother? How you doing today? I'm doing great, brother. How about yourself? Hanging in there, man. Just, you know, looking forward to getting a conversation in with Jeff, the Crippler Daniels. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be good to talk to him. Uh, the guy's been everywhere. I mean, people, people are probably going to say, you know, if they look him up on YouTube or something, they're probably going to say, hey, man, that, I've seen that guy before. Right, right. I've seen him somewhere. I know, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Jeff is a great guy. I got to know him in the Nashville scene, like most of the people that we interview on here. And I tell you, he he was just one of those guys that you gravitate towards. It was just like, you know, like, oh, man, I want to hear what this guy's talking about, you know. And, yeah. you know, he he's a longtime veteran that knows his stuff and doesn't mind to talk to the younger guys and share it with them, you know, and for that, you know, that's why honestly he's a treasure for that scene, especially the middle Tennessee, but also just the whole, you know, he's a treasure. So it's good to have Jeff on, you know, Jeff's just one of those guys that you could literally talk to about a million things. So I think I've got some good questions. I know you've got some good questions for him. I'm excited to see how that goes. So me too, brother. Yeah. So to kind of do a little backtracking before we get to Jeff, you know, the first thing to address, I guess, right now is that the last episode we had was the action figure episode, seeing a lot of, you know, good listens and numbers and stuff. So we're happy about that. Definitely appreciate that. Also some fun feedback. And yes, Charlie, <laughs> the announcer of the muscle men looked just like Rick Boucher. So we got to. <laughs> We got to prove that on our Facebook page, so that was hilarious. And yeah, so we, you know, have been having fun with that episode. So, do you do you think that was supposed to be like Mean Gene esque, or do you think it looked like one of the Japanese uh, announcers I think, or something like that? 
I think it's got to be one of the um, Japanese announcers, in my Probably personal so. opinion. Probably yeah, so. because he kind of does have that like Japanese, almost um, stereotypical look about him a little bit, but yeah, I'm telling you. I think it looks like Rick Boucher to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But y'all go look up Rick Boucher if you don't know who that is. But anyway, he was a longtime congressman, House of Representatives, whatever, from the state of Virginia in our ninth district. So, and some people might say it Boucher, but no, right it's here. A- I know, but I, yeah, 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 Boucher. I like that, <laughs> Rika Boucher. Yeah, I mean, but that's how it's spelled. I think like how, like in uh, some Cajun type that that name would be. Oh, that's Ricky like Boucher, French Canadian type thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's old Ricky Boucher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, yeah, oh, but, yeah, Rick Boucher, long time guy there. So anyway, we had a good time with the action figures. So what's cool is the action figure shows kind of bring in a different audience, you know? And so we've, we've kind of become a liaison of sorts. One of our new sponsors on the show is insane Shane's world. He's got a Facebook page. He actually makes custom action figures of these guys that we're talking about. And they're not your normal custom. They're not like, you know, take a Cena head and a triple H torso and you know whatever legs and that kind of thing this guy he has something that like basically i guess like a 3d printer and he prints these guys up i know he's done troy eaton i know he's done reno riggins is the one that's dropping soon but go to insane shane's world on facebook look him up he's got an ad now on our show and we're running that with him because you know what you know we've got the plastic chic I don't know. Maybe we might see a plastic chic action figure one day. We'll see. You know, things happen, right? So the sky's the limit, brother. The sky is the limit. Do you have anything you'd like to share before we get going to Jeff here? Just thinking about some things, you know, they got the, I saw that CM Punk is possibly getting healthy again. So just something to keep our eyes on if he actually appears in wrestling again anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Seth Rollins kind of opened the door for something there, but Mm, he did. That could just be, you know, the thing is, is people, we forget that wrestlers are workers, you know, that's true. That's true. And they could just be working us. And that's the thing. And once you, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a curse. Once you are or see enough of the wrestling business and you kind of get a little smart to it, you start to see everything as a work. We've talked about this before, but you know, like NFL, it's a work. You know, <laughs> well, there's supposedly there's supposedly a prediction out there for the Super Bowl that we'll see if it's true as of recording this. But. That the Rock is going to show up, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> CM Punk's going to get in there. <laughs> no, supposedly the score is going to be 37-34 Eagles. Mm. That's, that's supposedly a script from the NFL, they've said. Well, that's a good, yeah, that's a good one, Sheik. Who do you think will be the winner of the Super Bowl? Um, I'm going to say Chiefs. I don't know why. Chiefs? You like yeah. Patrick? Yeah. I just think that they always seem to uh, they always seem to make the plays when they need to. Um yeah. Eagles quarterback's a little banged up or has been Jalen Hurts, so I don't know if he'll him hurts. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm sure he's gonna play unless they tell him he can't play. So it's uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. But I hey, I'll go with the Chiefs too. So we'll I was feeling the Chiefs, but I just feel like Patrick's one of the top echelon and they've got a great team around him. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we'll see. You know, that hey, Chiefs and Eagles, why not? So 
by this time, it'll have already happened and, you know, it'll be almost out of their minds now. So except for the team who wins. So congratulations to whoever wins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for the opening right now. I want to just get to Jeff. Let me get him on the line here. You guys hang out with us just for a second. We're going to listen to a few messages and we'll be right back with some Jeff the Crippler. Daniels. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Hey everyone, this is Shane from Insane Shane's World. I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent, mid-card wrestlers, and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available. So if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M, the man, 73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World. All right, we are back with the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And y'all, today we've got a very special guest on the show. I tell you, you know, we have topics, we have what ifs, we have cool things. But when we get a cool guest on the show, that's when I really feel like we're at our peak right now. And this guy right here is a absolute legend when it comes down to it. He's done a little bit of everything and lived to tell about it. So welcome to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast, Mr. Jeff the Crippler Daniels. How you doing, brother? I am good, brother. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. We're happy to have you on, excited to have you on. You know, it's funny because I never clicked with you on Facebook for some reason because you're under your shoot name. And I'm like, man, I know this guy. Why do I? (laughs) And we finally got together, man, and friended each other or whatever you call it. And then, dude, you're on the podcast. I'm I'm excited, man. So, (laughs) yeah. You know, I, I shut my wrestling one down three or four years ago. It just. It was a hassle and, you know, it just, I wouldn't viable anymore. I was retired and it was just a bunch of bull on there all the time. And I just, oh, yeah. I got tired messing with it. So I just shut it down. Yeah, I understand, man. I don't blame you. You know, what's funny is I was in the business for a little bit and a bunch of people friended me and all this stuff. And then I get out of the business and then all those friends kind of go away. <laughs> and then I get on a podcast about wrestling again with Wolfie and my brother here and boom, 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 everybody and their mother's trying to friend me on here. So I actually sent out the friendship to you. So I'm not putting you in that <laughs> realm. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's amazing. Uh You get viable again, and they come out of the woodwork, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to say it, actually. Hey, Jeff. uh, So, you know, one of the first things I always like to ask to kind of start us off, um, and it kind of lets the audience know kind of where you come from in the wrestling businesses. If if you could have a Mount Rushmore of your all-time favorite or just the all-time wrestlers to you, they could be impacted your life, your favorite, or just people you like to watch, or it could just be your opinion of who's the best. And you could even have a fifth one, four to five of your top wrestlers of all time. So just after being in the business or just like growing uh, up, who I thought, or just it, in general? All of it. All of it, man. All of it. Any or all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
big influence on my career made me want to be a professional wrestler was believe it or not ken mantel when he was oh. a world junior heavyweight champion yes awesome. um uh ted dibiase has got to go in there ted's oh, one of the best workers that was ever in this business yeah absolutely ricky morton oh yeah good true close friend of mine i love ricky to death but he is this business personified <laughs> yes <Yeah>. he is <laughs> And then, just because I love him, superstar Billy Graham. Okay, okay, that's awesome, man. That's and a it, great Mount Rushmore. And, and and unfortunately, you know, Billy Graham gets overlooked a lot with uh, when it comes to the all time greats, just because he was a little man, bit early but, for a lot of people. He was just a little bit early well, for a yeah, lot of people. He was, he was way before his time, but he changed the landscape of professional wrestling. He yeah. is yeah. what Vince turned. Hulk Hogan into oh absolutely yeah he had he had him there already and you know the deal with the uh, Backlund taking that belt and instead of making a babyface turn with with Graham which would have got over because the people had, had begun to love him anyway yeah yeah that was that was missed opportunity right there that should have been he should have been Hulk Hogan yeah yeah, yeah it's so instead true of Hulk but, Hogan copying him yeah do you think maybe he was too strong minded for Vince. And that's maybe why no. Vince, no, yeah, no, it, it was old school mentality. They told him the day he won the belt, the day he would lose the belt, they were grooming Bob Backlund because they were tired of having a, a, um, an ethnic champion. Cause they had Bruno with the Italians. Yeah. They had uh Pedro with the Puerto Ricans and, right. um, you know, and Vince always wanted a Vince senior always wanted a, a red headed all-american champion yeah okay okay you know but yeah. um you know graham was selling out doing big business but ben senior was a man of his word everybody i've ever talked to that said anything he said you could take his word to the bank and you know to the day he took that belt off graham Wow. Wow. That's crazy to think about because Billy Graham was so special to not only other wrestlers like Dusty Rhodes and Hulk Hogan and Scott Steiner and so many guys. But when it came down to it, even boxers were taking some stuff from from the superstar. So, yeah. And even even like Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah. Graham said he took stuff from Muhammad Ali, too, you know. Well, I mean, it's probably a uh, give and a take. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it was. He's the one that started it all. You know, Dusty patterned his promos after him. Uh, you know, I, you know the the brother thing, that Hogan with brother this and brother that. You know, that was superstar Billy Graham. Brother, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Look back on some old Georgia championship wrestling. There's one where Graham comes in, he cuts his promo on uh, Ric Flair going to wrestle him for the world title. Man, it is superstar Billy Graham personified. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll bring you back for the Superstar Billy Graham show, but today we're going to talk Jeff Crippler Daniels. How you how you feel about that, brother? Hey, I'm excited. Let's go. All right. So I always start this off, man, and it kind of goes back a little further than a lot of podcasts go. Talk about your younger days, man. Where where'd you grow up? Where, where are you from, brother? Well, I was born in Houston, Texas. Grew up in Louisiana, just across the state line from Texas in a town called DeRitter which okay. is about 40 minutes north of Lake Charles. So as, as you all know, Jeff Gribble Daniels from Lake Charles, Louisiana. So yeah, buddy, yeah, that's sure. where that came from. You know, I played football, you know, yeah. baseball, 
you know, I was, we didn't have, believe it or not, didn't have amateur wrestling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you play in football? What was your position? Um, linebacker on defense or nose guard, depending on which defense we were running. And, uh, I played fullback or, uh, strong back position on offense. Nice. 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 All right. What about baseball? What'd you play in baseball? I was first baseman. I'm left-handed. Okay. Yeah, that that sets you up. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lefty too, a Southpaw, huh? Gotcha. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Who'd you like? Were you a Strohs fan growing up? Man, my dad was a huge Oakland A's fan. Yeah, okay. And uh, the Oakland A's played the St. Louis Cardinals in a World Series when I was just a little kid. And I saw those St. Louis Cardinals jerseys, and I've been a Cardinals fan ever since. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, we won't tell you who we like, but we'll we'll just we, it ain't the Cubs. We'll say that. <laughs> it's it's yeah. maybe another team y'all beat up on in the Central, yeah. the, Red, the Reds. So. Yeah, well. It <laughs> can't be well, perfect, can we? <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan because of Joe Burrow, you know, I'm a LSU oh, guy. You oh, buy yeah. you Bengals, yeah. I figured you would be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Jamar Chase. Yeah. So I know we're talking sports here and I don't want to kind of go too far with that, but I don't want to cut you off either. But at what point did pro wrestling come in around that time? Well, I mean, you know, from the time I was a kid, my grandfather was a huge wrestling fan. You know, I grew up watching uh, Leroy McGurk's wrestling. Oh, yeah. And then later Bill Watts took over and it became Mid-South. But, I, you know, that's what I grew up on. And then I had family in Houston. I'd go there and I'd get to see Paul Bosch's wrestling, you know. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, that's what I grew up on. And um, when I got out of school, I moved to Houston. It was working in Houston. And uh, I used to go down to uh, 1919 Caroline. Yeah. It was the wrestling office, Paul Bosch. And, um. Every Friday, I'd go down there, you know, I, Miss, you know, Miss Bosch, I want to be a professional wrestler. Oh, kid, you don't want to do this. You're going to starve to death. You know, you're not big enough, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I did it every Friday, every yeah. Friday, man. Yeah. He, he said, well, you know, if, if Nick Kozak comes around, I'll ask him if he's interested. Or if Tiger Conway comes around, I'll ask him if he's interested. And, you know, and I kept doing it. After about a year, I walked in there one Friday. He said, you are not going to give up, are you? I said, no, sir. I want to be a wrestler. And he said, come back here. It's the first time I ever got to go back into the office part. Yeah. Man, he had pictures of everybody on that wall that had been to Houston, you know. And he picked up the phone. He called San Antonio. He called Joe Blanchard. He said, Joe, he said, I got a kid here. He's very persistent. He said, I'm going to send him to you, and I want you to take care of him. Okay. Which I learned later, I want you to take care of him, meant don't take his money and break his leg and send him home. Right. You know, so I went down to San Antonio and Eric Embry was the trainer, but Eric was leaving going to Dallas. And I ended up, uh, Bruiser Bob Sweetan trained me. Okay. And Jonathan Boyd had a little bit to do with it too. Yeah. She what year was she this? She just left. This oh, was okay. uh, 85. Yeah. Early 85, late 84, early 85. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And you said the sheep herders, you know, I've had Luke on podcast before and great guy. You know, the funny thing was, is we talked too much about the bushwhackers and all I wanted to do was talk about the sheep herders. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause Luke was the booker there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 
Joe had took the book back over and, uh, you know, I was training with, uh, like Manny Lobos and, uh, some of those guys, Rudy Gonzalez was in there. You know, oh, Dusty wow. Wolf. Oh yeah. 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 And then your top guys, you had Scott Casey, uh, of course, Tully would come in sweet tan, you know, the stomper was in and out of the spoiler. Yeah. You know, I mean, oh, Al Madrid, okay. yeah. you know, he had, he had everybody. Al Madrid. He did. That's amazing. Al, Al Perez. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, did you, know, you ever I mean, talk to Gary Hart at all? Uh, Gary wasn't in there. Gary was in Dallas at that okay. time. Got it. Got and it. Uh, okay. that's all the boys were going up there because Joe was about to shut down. He was about to sell out to Fred Barron for that all-star Texas all-star deal. Right. Okay. You know, so okay. I, I got in, I got started and, uh, then Joe did his deal, took his money from, burn up there sold to fred barons and um you know fred kept a few of the top guys but he cleared house man so here i am just getting started and now i don't have a job floor falls out from under you yeah yeah so you know i'm trying to get into dallas at this point and uh you know they bring me up and they do a thing or two with me you know nothing big just undercard doing some tv show up on a house show yeah. Funny later, later on, I came back and, um, uh, I left there cause I wouldn't do anything. And I went out to California yeah. and, uh, was working for California championship wrestling. It was Victor Rivera, Steve strong. You know, it was after the Olympic stuff. All that was dead and gone at that point. Right. Right. But, uh, right. But man, I was, I was starving to death out there. I tried to get on up San Francisco. Couldn't get anything there. Ended up and got a little break. Buddy of mine, uh, gorgeous Joey Jackson. Okay. Was up in Portland. So I got a little spot up there. It was there for a minute. And I was just like, man, it's too damn cold up here. So I came back home <laughs> and, uh, well, I'll try to figure out what I can do. Well, I got back to Louisiana and a buddy of mine said, man, they're starting a new promotion here in Louisiana. I was like, really? So, he introduced me to the guy, and it was Edward Falk and Jim Carpenter with that IWF, the International Wrestling Federation. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, actually, at the time, it was Jim Carpenter had it. Then I knew Edward Falk from refereeing, and I got re- I got Edward into it. Edward, you know, just basically muscled right in on Jim and took over. And you know, <laughs> I thought, well, I'm in I'm in a great position. You know, <laughs> which I was, I, I, you know, I worked on top there for a couple of years, you know, and I, I had a who's who of guys to work with, you know, we'd bring in one man gang, all the mid South guys would bring in, uh, me and a guy, Amos Moses. Oh yeah. Okay. John yeah. But me and Amos, Jack Curtis put us together as the new rock and roll express. Going to try to oh, get you know, yeah. off that Louisiana. So, and then they brought in like Iceman and Brickhouse Brown, the Blackbirds to work us. We worked in, we worked the rock and roll RPMs. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then uh, I got crossways with Edward because he owed me a bunch of money. And uh, so Mike Davis sent me over to Continental, which had just died because everything was dying then, you know. Yeah, man, the territory's dried uh, up. Yeah. I think her name was Cheryl Dunn was running it at that point. And I okay. worked over there for a month or so. I was like, nah. Tommy Preacher, which I knew from Houston, Tommy said, man, don't leave. It's going to get better. And I was like, nah, I'm going back to Louisiana, man. Right. So I went back and then I got picked up with a world class and believe it or not, it's a funny story. Uh, great Muda. It was his first.
first oh, trip wow. to the States and he was doing the super black ninja. Gimmick. Right. Yes. Yes. And the yeah. guy he was working, Muda would give him that spin kick and he kept bumping out of the ring to the floor. <laughs> and Akbar hated that. Agbar said, if that son of a bitch falls out of the ring one more time, you got your gear with you? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, spot yours. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, that night, Blackham Coliseum in Lafayette, he bumped out of the ring, and they sent him home. And I picked up working the rest of that tour with Muda as the Super Black Dragon, uh, Super Black Ninja. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Oh, yeah. How was that, man? I mean, because you're kind of getting some seasoning <laughs> on you. <laughs> he, was, he was green, and he was stiff. <laughs> I jobbed to him in WCW years later, and he was the easiest, smoothest guy in the whole world. Wow. So, okay, you've been telling a great story, so I'm not messing up your flow, but talk about what was your very first match and who was it against? Bob Sweetan. Bob Sweetan. And yeah. how did that go? How, how did you feel? Uh, we we did about, about 10 minutes, and of course, he piledrived me and beat me. Yeah, you know, yeah. since he was breaking me in, they kind of married me to him, and we worked sure. our way up to mid, you know, to mid card before he broke off and went into something big again. Yeah, but right. I mean, you know, he carried me around, took care of me, broke me in, got me used to crowds, and you know, steady talking to me. Look, here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. This is what we're going to do now. You know, and then riding in the car, I would drive him. You know, and just him and and. All those guys down there were just a wealth of, of knowledge, you know, and anybody willing to learn back then, if you would shut up and listen, they would teach you everything that you needed to know. Yeah. You know, and that's, it, it that's really still true, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you, first time I ever got color was hard way by sweet hand. <laughs> we're working mid card and, uh, he had me in a headlock. We were down and, uh, he's boy crowds flat kid said we got to get them up you know we're building to the main event he said uh maybe we'll get a little color i said well uh, i don't have a blade bob he said you don't need one. <laughs> oh man he backed oh. me in the corner he backed me in the corner and popped me over my left eye yeah yeah and, uh he said did that hurt i said no he said i still got the touch and that time blood was just all over me man <laughs> i thought wow no knot, no nothing. He just popped right down over that oracle bone and split me wide open. Yeah, yeah. With a bunch of tape in the back to tape it up. And then, of course, from then on, the next two or three nights, you know, you just bump it and I'm bleeding. Right, again. yeah. yeah. It's, uh, that's the sweet hand hard way me my first time. That's, that's a, I mean, honestly, that was the first time I ever got color was a hard way too, but we'll, well, this is not my show. So, so sweet tan. So when you're working him, are you, it's like you're learning on the job, right? So who would you say was yeah. the next person to kind of take you on as your teacher, essentially? Uh, I mean, I bounced around at that point. I mean, Akbar had a lot. Akbar liked me a lot. So. Love Akbar. Yeah. He's, he was one of my biggest influences. Yeah. Oh yeah. He used to beg me to move back to Dallas. Please go back to Dallas. I said, man, (laughs) I'm in Nashville. I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I need need you so bad down here, kid. You just don't understand. Yeah. You know, which anytime I wanted to go that way, I picked up the phone and I was booked as long as I wanted to be booked over that way, you know, which was really good. I got some good stuff in global. I worked with Calvin Knapp, stuff like that. But as far as 
in the ring, when I was with IWF, I'd made that little trip out west, you know, and it was just kind of on my own. And, you know, those guys were clicky out there. Sure. So everybody kind of stayed to themselves. You worked who you worked, you know, and it's it's what it was. But I got back into IWF for Louisiana with, with them. And before me and uh, Amos tagged up, Jerry Stubbs came in. Okay. And, uh, you know, Jerry took a liking to me, kind of took me under his wing. We even tagged together and had the IWF tag belt, so, which was the first title I ever held. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, and Jerry was like, look, here's what you do. and You don't let nobody tell you this. Don't let nobody tell you that. You know, you're your own man, and you're your, you make your own money. And if you don't like what they're doing, you make a call and move down the road. Don't sit somewhere and be unhappy. You know, just smart me up to the to the business end and also polishing me up as a worker, too. I mean, he is phenomenal. Jerry Stubbs is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know that wrestling is not just a one time, you know, the light bulb goes off and you know everything. But do you remember when the first light bulb went off in your mind and you were like, okay, I started to get something there. I'm I'm getting it now. Do you remember that time? Yeah. Well, doing that stuff with Stubbs, you know, it it was serious learning tree. Sure. But after that, when, when me and Amos were together and Brickhouse and Iceman came in, you know, and Ice told me flat out, if you kids can't work, we're going to eat your ass alive. <laughs> and we went out there and tore the house down with me like, brother, I'll work with you anywhere. And he would get me, get us bookings, you know, out of there to go work them. And of course, yeah. then Brick, who was always in trouble, bless his heart. Yeah. You know, and then he brought yeah. in that kid from Dallas, Mr. Ebony, and that, you know. Right. They did that for a while. But working with him, I really started to understand psychology, you know, and okay. yeah. how to sell, when to sell, how much to sell, you know. But when I, I think when the light really came on for me was when I, when I first, when I finally turned heel, mm-hmm. because I'd worked so long as a baby face. I knew what that baby face needed. I knew what I needed to do to get that baby face over to make me viable. Good heel, if you're going to get heat, you got to give that baby face 90% of everything. Yeah. And knowing yeah. when, how, but I would say probably around 90 when I came up here for Jarrett. I came up here for Jerry Jarrett and worked here a few months. And, you know, they switched bookers back to Lawler. So it's a good cop, bad cop thing, you know. Yeah. Either Jarrett's a booker and you work and then Lawler takes over and you're gone or vice versa. So right. at that time, Tom Pritchard and uh, Ricky Morton, Dirty White Boy, they're all like, hey, brother, just come on, come to Smoky Mountain. We'll get you in down here. So I went to Smoky Mountain and me and Chris yeah. Michael. Yeah. It's the first time I ever there. saw you wrestle, Jeff, it was in Smoky Mountain. So yeah. heard that. me and Chris went down there and tore the house down and both got jobs. I mean, we yeah. toured up. We did like, we had this 15 minute match worked out, and Cornette says, yeah, Sounds great, guys. Can you do it in six? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So it was a six minute high spot, man. I mean, yeah. we never stopped moving, except I bumped out of the ring one time, and the only reason I did that was so he could do a plancha over the top on me, you know. And of yeah. course, he had. Bob Cottle and Dutch Mantel doing commentaries. So oh, they made it sound like a yeah. million dollars. 
And Chris but, Michaels uh, yeah, was old Chris Comet around that time, I do believe, really correct? Chris Comet, yep. Yeah. Me and him yeah. had been working here around Nashville doing the independent stuff. See, when I finished up with Jared, I was like, well, shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, and somebody says, well, you need to call Chris Champion. So I called Chris, and Chris was like, oh, brother, I could use you. You know, I'm booking here, I'm booking there, I'm booking here. I can work you four or five nights a week. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and that's where I started meeting the guys around here. Ashley Hudson had just come over from Australia, was green, oh, you know. Yeah, Chris was just breaking in. There was a ton of guys, man. Yeah, and uh, you know, me and Chris hung together and booked stuff forever. And we, when I got the booking job for NWA, I brought Chris in as my assistant because just me and him flowed well together with our thoughts and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I would say probably ninety ninety ones when the light bulb came on for me. You know, really felt at home and, and felt like I was a journeyman starting to turn into a general. Yeah. Because, you know, right about this time, you're starting to really do some stuff as far as doing, you know, not only being a general in the in the local areas, but also you're starting to become a carpenter, too. I mean, you were a carpenter. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that in the wrong way. Oh, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. And proud to be a carpenter. That's a yeah. hell of a job to have. And it always keeps you working. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, Jeff, I did a little research about you. I saw that you started some with WWF in, is it August of 92 or something like that? Is that right? Yeah, downtown Bruno, who had got me in up here, he was down there in IWF with uh, the RPMs. When I was ready to leave Louisiana, he said, well, man, you, I mean, it was me and Big Jim Ryder. I don't know if you guys knew him. He looked just like one man gang. But um, me and him, Bruno said, look, y'all come up. I'm going to introduce you to, to Lawler. I said, all right. So we drove up to Memphis. We left the show in Bell Chase, Louisiana on a Saturday night, drove to Memphis, went to Mid-South Coliseum. On Sunday, we went out and watched Jerry Lawler play softball and met him. <laughs> yeah. Monday, yeah. we went to the Coliseum, and uh, Jerry said, yeah, I'm always looking for some new guys. He said, uh, can you be here for TV Saturday? I'm like, well, shit, that's a week away. He said, yeah, yeah, we can be here. <laughs> So we drove back to Louisiana, got our crap together, come up here for TV. I got a job, but Jim didn't. He told him, ah, big guys are a dime a dozen up here. I can get big guys all day long. But yeah. he kept me and Dominique. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, from then on, just me and her worked together forever. That but was yeah, a going. WWF stuff, Bruno got me in up there because he had just went up. And um, I remember my first night in was the Von Braun Center in Huntsville. <laughs> and oh, wow. it was building up to Kamala yeah. and uh, Undertaker in the coffin match. Uh, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Which, but I had the last TV match with Kamala before the pay-per-view. Okay. And, uh, you know, I knew, I knew Jim from down in Louisiana because, you know, all the Louisiana guys know all the Louisiana guys. You know, Cassidy O'Reilly, you know, Cassidy Riley. I love him booked up here. Yeah. You know, a bunch of the boys, Kevin Northcutt, all them guys. We, You know, anytime they're coming through, I had a booking for them because, you know, we all stuck together. Right, right. We love Cassidy on this show, for sure. Oh, yeah. I love Cass, man. He's one of my yeah. favorite people in the whole world. Great dude. And, yeah. um, yes, he is. And uh, so I go out there with Kamala, you know, and that's when he was doing the deal where he would – you know, pin you on your stomach and they're trying to tell him, roll him over, roll him, you know, that whole deal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I did this deal where when he gave me the splash in the middle of my back, when he hit me, I threw both arms up and let my eyes roll back in my head, you know, and just flopped dead. 
Yeah. And, you know, he had to, they rolled me over finally and pinned me. When I walked through the curtain at the gorilla position, Vince McMahon himself was standing there, and he said, guys, that's how I want Kamala sold. So wow, I picked up wow. a bunch of people. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But I worked, I worked Papa Shango the next night in Nashville, which was a cakewalk. He said, hey, we can work or we can work the gimmick. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to put you in a trance and pin you without us taking a bump. I said, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. Yeah. So I did that little run with WWF and then uh, I picked up some stuff with WCW and I got in down there when Bill Watts was in. I got back in. So, I, you know, I did TVs off and on down there. Yeah. Because then you're working Barbarian, Tony Atlas. Then you're working Texas, <laughs> Shanghai. I mean, you're working all that stuff, man. So Yeah, Texas, Slazinger and him. That's yeah. uh, Ron Slinker's kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tex, he's a chef now, I'm pretty sure. And he's like a five star chef somewhere. And then we talked to Shanghai, which is, you know, Henry Godwin. And he's, you know, he's still big, raw bone son of a gun, you know, and great guys, both of them, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Is he cooking down in Florida? Is he back in Florida? I think so. Yeah. I think that's where Dennis is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, Barbarian, man. I mean, that's as big as a guy you can get. I mean, I know Papa Shango is a big old boy, but you know. Barbie, Barbie was easy, easy, easy because I, me and Joey Mags were friends, which was, you know, Manny Fernandez had him under his wing. So, and Manny and, and Barbie were great friends. So, of course, I got to hang around those guys. Me and Joey did drive them up and down the road. So, yeah. you know, he was easy. Now, if he didn't like you, he'd kill you. <laughs> him, right. him and me both. But if he yeah. liked you, he was easy as a feather. And Tony had just come back. He was working in those army pants. He'd been painting houses. Yeah. And I worked him in a single match also, Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched that match earlier. Yeah, he was like, they they saying, go home. He said, uh, 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 we can, uh, uh, I said, Tony, shoot me. Give me go for clothes on. I'll duck it. When I come back, grab both hands full of my hair. I'll lay out for a big bump. When I pop right back up, hit me with that uh, bull Nelson. He said, yeah, brother, that sounds good. And that's what he did for the finish. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't think of a finish. I thought of it on the fly right there. So. Yeah. Of course, I didn't get credit for it. They told him how great he looked. <laughs> yeah. 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 So in the ring with Kamala, and I, I don't want to dial too far back here, but are you talking to Kamala before the match and he's he's keeping the gimmick in the match? Or are you is he yeah. talking to you a little bit? In- no, I I got dressed in the same dressing room with him, him yeah, Bruno gotcha. and, and Brawler yeah. and all those guys. And um, you know, he's just like we just go out there and do a little series of robots, brother. You know the thing. That's yeah, the thing you want to chop me up. You know, if I'm going to try to drop kick you, you're not going to sell it. I'm going to come up, you're going to chop me to death and give me a splash. He said, oh, pretty much what we going to do, Jeffrey. <laughs> That's what we going to do, Jeffrey. Yeah, <laughs> Kamala's great. Yeah, so you're working Kamala, Papa, Barbarian. I know this is kind of a quintessential list here, but in that time, though, you're also doing the USWA Smoky Mountain thing. Now, you kind of alluded to it earlier where, you know, Jarrett would take the book and then you would have a spot or Lawler. They were that way, right? They would literally clear the house sometimes just yeah, to start yeah, a whole new. Would. So they would do a blow off on their feuds and then it was start over time. And then Lawler took the book for six months. Right, Tell me. Right. And so 
that's what led you to Smoky Mountain. Yeah, I mean, they, they cleaned house. You know, all yeah. the under talent gets cleaned out. They bring in new guys. You know, they keep a handful of guys that are always in and out of there. You know, of course, Jeff and Jerry are there, and right. the Moon Dogs are always there anytime they want to be there. Uh, Billy Travis is in and out between there and Dallas all the time. Yeah. Eric Embry had had his wreck and was out. So, uh, you know, talk about my favorite, I, Tony Falk. <laughs> Tony Falk. I love Tony, man. Me and Tony are friends forever. Yeah. yeah. Met him in Dallas. He was actually, he was refereeing at that point yeah. in Dallas. Yeah. You know, and I was in there for a cup of coffee and, you know, they didn't really have a spot for me because all the top San Antonio guys were coming up there. You know, that's where I first met Eric, too, because Eric left there right after I started training. And yeah. then I lived a bit with him in Dallas, a little bit more with Global, and then, uh, you know, up here in USWA. And it's funny because Jarrett was taking over the book. I worked Eric Tuesday night at the uh, at the Louisville Gardens, and he went back and he told Jerry, he said, he said Lauren, don't get rid of this kid. He said, man, he can work his ass off. Yeah. Lauren said, no, 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 I'm getting rid of him. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. But then <laughs> to go full circle, the last couple of years that I was still working, anytime Lauren was working independence around here, he didn't want to work anybody but me. So Right. He asked yeah. for you. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you stuck around long enough for him to validate, okay, now I can work with him, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, he always loved working with Dominique too, man. Sure. Yeah. You know, he's like, I remember when I, he says, uh, she wearing flats or she got heels. I said, she got heels. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, get her to give you one of them boots and dig that heel in my eye. I said, all right, you got it. So we played with the boot for 15 minutes for, uh, he piled drive me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to manage Dutch against Lawler and he, he is great. He, Dutch iggied me 33 times, I think, which is hilarious because that was a total rib. But what's funny is early on when I was out there and you and Dominique were working, you know, people would say, sit at the curtain and watch Dominique. You just watch her. You're going to learn a lot from her. Just watch her. And I did. It was great stuff. She knew timing really well. Of course, y'all were such a well-oiled machine. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely man you and know you know where she learned Agbar. Agbar. yeah Agbar. yeah i loved yeah. her man he'd bring her in to wrestle we'd always take some girl with us and uh he'd put her over big i'd go in and do a job for somebody and he'd put her over big yeah that's awesome yeah jimmy uh was mentioning something there a while ago it makes me uh made me think of something it's always <laughs> nice to to hear you always hear about wrestlers being uh ribbers and everything like that who's like the best ribber or what's the best rib you can tell us about or something like that. that uh, oh, memorable cow, man. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I got a couple of them, but they're pretty bad. I, I better not tell the Jimmy Garvin one. <laughs> whatever you want to tell, brother. Yeah, whatever you no, want to tell. Man. No, no. There's, a, there's enough guys. You'll get that story out of somebody. <laughs> okay. I would say that's River. Golly, man, it's so hard. Yeah. Tracy Smothers is a pretty good river. Yeah. Tom yeah. Pritchard is a pretty good river. Dirty White Boy. Yeah. Uh, Ricky and Robert, you can't ever count them out. Robert Fuller, Robert's a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone you can say that, that won't hurt the innocent? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. 
they were all just like simple ribs, you know, lock somebody's suitcase and, you know, they don't have a key to get in it or, you know, sure. stuff like yeah. that, you know, siphon all the gas out of your car, little yeah. stuff like that. I've heard the I mean, one where, you know, you, you go to wrestle your match, you come back and one of your shoes is missing, but then two towns later in the loop, you find your shoe again. So you had to go home in your wrestling boots or something and, you know, your shoe would show up, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First thing you do when you get the bills is put your boots on. Yeah. Cause if you don't, one of them will be missing. Right. Oh. And, and also okay. that's probably how much time of your life have you spent tying up your boots, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the old Congress Inn. Oh, (laughs) legendary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were all, all, everybody was staying there, right? So, Billy Travis had a place to stay. So, he always gave me and Dominique his room over there. You know, he said, hey, go stay at the Congress. He said, you know, it's paid for. You know, I'm not staying there tonight because, of course, (laughs) him and Jeff were running around together doing what Jeff did. (laughs) <laughs> so, and uh, I remember there was this kid, Sean Baxter. I don't know if y'all remember him or not. Was Sean Baxter? No, it wasn't Brandon, Sean Baxter. Brandon Baxter, was it? Yeah, but it wasn't him. Okay. Yeah, okay. God, he did a rock and roller gimmick. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> Eric Embry and, <laughs> and Terry Adonis. Do you know Terry Adonis? Yes, I do. Cobalt definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, they H bombed him. Oh, man. He was talking. He was talking shit. You know, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. He was talking shit. So Terry said, mm, we get this kid. So <laughs> they H bombed him, handcuffed him to the fence around the swimming pool, <laughs> poked mm. him in the ass with a hairbrush. Oh. Left him, him buck naked. And Terry wrote on his chest, thanks for a good time, Terry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Needless yeah. <laughs> to say, he left the territory and never came back. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty brutal rib right there, man. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. That's pretty stiff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's still not as, not as good as the Jimmy Garvin, but I just, I can't. Right. I love Jimmy. He's still alive, and I'm not going to do that to yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Well, isn't it true that you could have been a Garvin brother? <laughs> yeah. But see, now there you go. Jimmy Garvin loved me to death. Yeah. So when I started, when I turned heel, Akbar said, hey, look. Look how much success that Jimmy's had working with Precious. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. He said, he said, look. Dominique Leslie, it's my wife. Uh-huh. He said, Leslie is beautiful. He said, why don't you do something with her? I said, well, she don't know anything about the business. He said, she yeah. don't need to know anything about the business. Let her be stiff. She's yeah. on the floor. If she ain't kicking the shit out of them guys, yeah. then ain't nobody going to believe it. I said, well, right. you know, you're right. You know, so he said, let me, let me talk to her. So that's how she got started. But yeah, Jimmy told me, he said, man, brother you just but we can do some stuff together he said just why don't you be a garvin i said oh you know well you know i want to make it on my own and blah 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 and i I look back at that now i go you stupid idiot (laughs) (laughs) what the hell was i thinking yeah i can't blame you you, bro you know 
offered to give me the rub and I was too stupid to know what he was doing. Yeah. So you bring up a great point, having your wife in the business. I mean, when I signed up for the business, you know, that was on the list of don'ts. You know what I mean? How did you all, that took some balls, man, because I've heard a lot of guys say, don't ever bring your girl around, you know, but of course you all were a team. That's one thing. Whereas she wasn't necessarily staying in the back a lot by herself, you know? Well, you know, I was, I was single for a long time before me and her sure. got married. So, you sure. know, I had my had my run up and down the road back in the territory days doing my thing. So Right, you right. Know, you know, I you know, me and her are married. We're trying to raise a family. You know, I got yeah. kids and uh yeah. yeah. You know, I was believe me, the last thing on my mind when I was out there was chasing arena rats or or doing something <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was busy trying to make sure that I didn't get stiffed on my pay. Right. You know, right so I got right. grocery money to bring home. Yeah. And yeah. I said, well, look, you know, you do this, you get double the pay. Yeah. Okay. Smart. That's and, a great you know, idea. Yeah. We, we broke her in and, you know, it, it took her a little while. It took her about a year or so to really get good. You know, and I'd throw those guys outside the ring, man, and she would walk a mud hole in their ass. They'd come back yeah. and be like, God, brother, she is so stiff. I said, man, that's a girl. If you can't take that, you don't need to be here. <laughs> you know, and that's, I said that my whole career. Every time she'd walk somebody's ass up and down, <laughs> said, yeah. that's a girl, man. If you can't take that, come on. That's a girl, man. So stiff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know. Also, during that same time, I mean, in '92, I'm looking at this list of the guys and, and the people you worked with in Smoky Mountain. You know, Rock and Roll, Tracy Smothers, Kevin Sullivan, Stud Stable, the Armstrongs. I mean, you worked yeah. so many great people in that time. Oh yeah. And, and I know you said Kamala and Papa Shango and Barbarian and Tony Atlas, but these are dudes on a different level than those guys. No oh, disrespect. Yeah, Kevin Sullivan. I, I did yeah. deal with Kevin Sullivan. Got yeah. color for him. Got 14 stitches on the top of my head because I raised up when he came with a chair. Oh, and man. it was one of those wooden chairs, and it caught yeah. me right on the crease, man. And it laid me wide open. He was oh, like, holy man. shit, brother. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, he said, oh, it's good. So he hung me in a tree of woes, and I had a big puddle of blood on the mat when I was done. So at the end of it, Bob Armstrong says, man, look, I'm going to bring you out of here on TV. Don't clean that up real good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, seriously. Pitch yeah. the whole deal that Sullivan needs to be banned. He needs to be have his license taken. He can't wrestle, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, you know, he was doing the deal with Brian Lee. Right. You right. know, and Brian says, well, you know, I'll never get my revenge if, if you get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. So, that's, mm-hmm. you know. But I love that those, time of wrestling, man. I did. I love that time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. Kevin would, uh, see, I was there the night that uh, the Japanese guy, what was his name? Um, golly, man. He's a big, big time Japanese guy now. Yeah. guy that gapped his arm wide open and yeah. Sullivan stuck the deal in it. Yeah. What is what is his name? Jeez, Kinemura. Kinemura. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kochiro Kimura. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was him. Yeah, man. He laid. He, you could see almost to the bone of his bicep. And so, but even someone's like, "Oh my God, this is bad." But I'm gonna stick this thing in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we went out there to to try to break all that up. You know, and 
Yeah, I was taking bumps and all that for Sullivan. You know, he's still on him and they're bleeding everywhere. You know, yeah. what sucked I never got to work with Dominique there because Candido was in there with um Sonny. With yeah, uh, Sonny. Tammy. Tammy. Tammy, yeah. Tammy yeah. yeah, Tammy. Yeah. But she never got to do any Smoky Mountain with me, which sucked. We worked together everywhere else, so yeah, that that doesn't. I mean, I get what, the, and maybe was that Cornette's call? Was that he just like brother can't bring it in? You're we already got that. No, I, I think it's because I I wouldn't bobble. I was in a carpenter position, you know. Sure, sure. You know, well that that night with Kinemura, I worked the Rock and Roll Express, and that's when they had Arn Anderson under the sheet. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Poking the bear, you know, right? We worked Rock and Roll that night. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that was, you know, yeah, that was a wealth of knowledge working with all those guys and riding up and down the road. You know, I'd be in a band with, with White Boy and and Tom Pritchard and and Ricky Morton and, you know, uh, Tim Horner, all those yeah. guys. You know? Yeah, did you ever did you ever hear Tim Horner's version of Shameless? <laughs> <laughs> No, the I Garth didn't. Brooks classic. <laughs> no, but I did. I did see Tracy Smothers whip his ass one night. <laughs> <laughs> That's even yeah, better than I've, that. I've always heard Tracy was one of those legit tough guys, like you were talking about Barbarian and hey, Ming earlier. I've heard. Tracy, is le- Tracy is legit tough, yeah, but the sweetest man you've ever met, too. Yeah, was he not the sweetest person? I mean, seriously, I didn't. I've yes, never been was, on the wrong man. side he loved of him. My kids. He he would ask about my kids before he asked how I was doing. You know? Yeah, yeah. The saddest thing was I got to manage him twice, and then the last time we worked on a show together there in Millersville, he was there and he yeah. said, "Brother, I need you tonight." And I said, uh, I, "I'm out there twice tonight." And I, and they the guy I don't want to say the name, but the booker wouldn't let me go out there with Tracy because I was already yeah. working in in two other angles, which I would have traded both of those for working with Tracy. You know, now Is I know it, it was. Yeah, would it would have been yeah yeah yeah. See, I me and Crimson after I trained Crimson got him in. Yeah, you know he took over the book for a little while up at Millersville, and I was coming in doing commentary and writing TV. Yeah, and uh, you know they they were just like, man, I, I just can't justify paying him this much money to talk on a microphone, and they're like, he's like, dude, are you stupid? He's, right. he's writing your TV for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hold up. Hold up, Jeff. I've got, we're going to get there. For those who love it loud, Pantheon Podcast presents Rockin' Pod Weekend. Nashville, March 17th through the 19th. It's a rock convention featuring panels, interviews, podcasts, signing sessions, vinyl, comic books, pop culture, and collectibles. Over 50 celebrity guests, including members of Mr. Big, Tough, Great White, Keel, Winger, Accept, and Twisted Sister. Live concerts including Rare Hair on Friday, Keel Fest 2 on Saturday, and Eric Martin's Big Acoustic on Sunday. Plus a rockin' comedy show featuring Courtney Cronin Dold, Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and Craig Gast from The Howard Stern Show, and a whole lot more. Full details at rockinpod.com. Rockin' Pod Weekend is presented by Pantheon Podcasts in association with RFK Media, Third Power Amplification, and BobbyDreyer.com. If you're a pro wrestling fan, there's something for everyone at the Cheap Heat TV Podcast Network. From the Pro Wrestling Discussion Show, Cheap Heat TV Live, to the Interview Show, 
the Jackson Interaction Podcast with the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson, to the silliness of the Whitey Jenkins Show and the brand new Zip, Xander's Irresistible Podcast with Charles Anders. You can check them all out and much more over at CheapHeatTVLive.com. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling YouTube channel. The fuck's wrong with this sport? He's gonna tell you all about it. He doesn't care what you think. You're gonna hear all about it. My Jablonski. All right, 92 and 93 were huge for you, and then poof, you went away. Where did you go, man? What what <laughs> happened? My kids were old enough they were starting to play baseball and travel. I yeah. stepped yeah. out for a little while, Yeah, and um, for about two or three years, you know, my kids were playing ball. I was traveling with them, stuff like, you know, spending time. Sure. You know, I mean, that time you can't get back. Trade. My dad owned my dad owned a plumbing company, so I just picked up a plumbing job and started plumbing. You know, I'd run yeah. part time and and plumb because yeah. territories were dead. Right. So right. That, that's basically what I did, and then it, it's crazy because I, you know, I thought I was totally done. Yeah. And then uh, Ben Jordan. I don't know if you know Ben Jordan at Wild. Absolutely. Boy. Yeah. Absolutely. Ben. Yep. Ben called me one day and said, "Dude, we need a booker in Columbia." And I think you're the guy. And I'm like, but I've never been a booker before. Yeah. Yeah. But man, he said, with all your ideas, he said, you know, we go to a show and, and half the finishes on the show you gave, you know, maybe. So let me think about it. So I thought about it for a week and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll come down Saturday, take a look at what you got and I'll make a decision. So yeah. I went down there, man, and I mean, he had Tommy Higgy, you know, Mephisto and oh, yeah. he had yeah. the Wild Boys, um, you know, a whole bunch of talent in there. I was like, hey, you know, I could do some George Weingroff was there. Right. Love George. Yeah. You know? We're working with yeah. him coming up soon, so he'll be on the show soon. Are you really? Man, yeah. Man, tell him I said hello. I, t- I talk to Herbie all the time, and I always tell him to tell George hi, and he's like, oh, George said to you, love you, man. But See, I ain't seen George in forever. George is one of them so legit dudes. He he started working MMA at 41. You know this, though. I know you know this, but yeah, I mean, yeah. that he worked that Pancrase stuff in Japan when he was 41 years old. I mean, that's like yeah. stuff you do when you're young, man, and legally blind. I mean, George is, George is you know, with the, with the Wolfie podcast. At school, you know, he was state champion at Tennessee School of Blind Wrestling. Jersey. Right, you know right. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then worked not for... To get off, not to get off subject, here's a quick Here's a quick story for you on George Weingroff. George Please. goes down to Mid-South, right? For Bill Watts. Yeah. yeah. And he's a carpenter. He's building guys. You know, Watts bringing guys in. George putting them over. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Watts had a deal where these guys would come out and say, oh, I want to be a wrestler, Mr. Watts. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You come back next week, bring $250. I'll give you a trial. Yeah. So, you know, he guy would show up. And he'd say, well, let me see if I can. Hey, George. George, come here. He said, this guy wants to be a wrestler, so you want to get in there with him and, and see what you think? And George says, sure, Mr. Watts, I'll do it. And George get in there and just make their eyeballs bleed, you know? <laughs> Guys leave crying, begging to let him out of the ring. And, it, and he'd give George that money. He'd keep 100 and give George 150 But that's yeah. what George is doing. He's stretching guys for Watts. 
Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, we could go off about George all day, but it's just amazing because yeah. he was working for the Goulises, the Grams, and the Poffos basically at the same time. And yeah. I mean, it was incredible stuff, but I can't yeah, wait know, to I, have that conversation. So, yeah. yeah, because, you know, Saul's worked everywhere. Saul, oh, uh, I know. Yeah. Say, well, if you work for them, you can't work for me. Saul's like, I'll work anywhere I want to. You right, know? right. So, George, you know, you know, I had to wait a Saul behind him so he could do what he wanted to pretty much. Yeah, and Saul is is a huge influence on any manager that should be. I mean, he had the Samoans, he had the Von Brauners. I mean, had some great legendary tag teams that Saul uh, Weingroff's name should Brauner. be mentioned more more times than it than it is, you know. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But Absolutely. Anyway. So after you're you're doing the booking there in Columbia, what 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 got you back in the ring? Well, I mean yeah, I went down there. I said, well, if I'm going to book, I might as well wrestle too. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I got myself back in shape and got back in there and started. And we were down there. We were drawing big houses. You know, we were drawing three, 400 people down there. And oh, yeah. that was good with the Definitely. TV. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then uh, that's when, when Burt Prentice, you know, and Mike Porter was doing Mephisto with uh, Tommy Higgy. Right, right. Doing the, you know, Cool Breeze was out, and and Porter was doing Mephisto again. Right, right. So um, that's when Bert said, "Well, damn, they're drawing all this money down there. We're hurting at the fairgrounds. And let me let me see what we got here." Yeah, exactly. So come down, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, Michael, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to set you up with TV and blah blah blah. And here, you pay my bills for a while while I find somebody else with money." Right. <laughs> you know exactly. Sugar. <laughs> so that, that's where. Uh, and then Bill Bears was all in on that, so Mike bought an NWA franchise, and I, I booked that for ten years. You're talking about main event, where you know yeah. again. After I was out, I was there. That's where I started at Nashville. This was after the golden yeah. days of the main event, though. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, I'm sure you could you could pay the guys a little something back then. So, <laughs> but we yeah. won't get into well, that. See, we were uh, we started out it was NWA Nashville, right? Then, uh, we changed it to main event because we bought Reno's TV spot when he shut down. Right. Exactly. Spot. Yeah. So we changed yeah. it to the NWA main event. And it was main event from then on. But, you know, what's funny is I'm going to get with Brian Turner and we're going to get together and we're going to do some watch alongs with some of you legends. And what we're going to do is we're going to build the history of that that Sunday night TV, too. We're going to we're going to really because I, I, it, it spans a lot further than people realize. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it's it's some legendary stuff. But, you know, he's doing some cool stuff on the Brian Turner's VHS he rehab. Is, man, you he, know. he's finding stuff for me. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. I'd forgot about that and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, there was yeah. there was one. It was the very first time we went up, you know, for Burt's TV. And Tim Mitchell, the cameraman, you know, Tim's got every bit of that footage. He does. Timmy B on YouTube. Yeah, you can see it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Sean Neil Lone Wolf's got a lot of it too. Yeah, big old Lone Wolf. Yeah, yeah. He did the uh, main event classic website. Oh, okay. Got a bunch of that stuff on it. Yeah, another great channel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tim Mitchell tells the story. He said, you know, Bert was in there and his guys, they were trying to cut promos and they'd been in there about an hour. And Tim was like, man, I'm fixing to give up and go to the house. This is bullshit. Can't nobody talk the way out of a paper bag. <laughs> oh, by the way, we've got a couple of guys coming up from Columbia. That's going to do interviews. We're trying to help them out down there. Tim goes, Oh, great. These guys <laughs> yeah. are the TV guys. So, um, 
I walked in and Bert says, hey, this is Tim, blah, blah. And Tim goes, look, this is what I need and blah, 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 blah. So, okay, you got it. I said, how much time I got? He said, yeah, one minute. I said, all right. So I busted out a promo on Gypsy Joe because I was working Gypsy Joe in a cage match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Tim goes, you finished? You dropped the mic? You said, thank you, Bert. Thank you, Tim. And you walked out. And I sit there with my mouth dropped open going, holy shit. <laughs> this is fixing to get good. And, yeah. uh, I worked yeah. side by side with Tim and Jeff Grimes forever doing that TV. So much that Dominique told me, he said, won't you just take some clothes up there? You live at that damn TV studio. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Gypsy Joe there for us a little bit. You, you mentioned him there. Talk about working him and stuff. Uh, let me tell you, the first time I worked Gypsy Joe was in Beaver Dam, Kentucky for Shelby Adcock. Yes, Shelby Adcock. Yeah. Mm. So, Terry Adonis, my wonderful friend, Terry Adonis, tells Gypsy Joe, oh, Jeff Daniels' kids talking about, why the hell I got to work this old man for? Oh, and God. Gypsy come out there, yes, sir, loaded for <laughs> bear, and he's lighting my ass up, and I'm going, holy shit, do I owe you gas money or something? <laughs> And he said, don't you ever say I'm an old man? I said, well, well, hold up. What are you talking about? Yeah. I got to the back, and Terry was laughing. And Terry knows that Josh is ribbing. That kid never said nothing. He was like, oh, oh, too bad. I beat his ass. <laughs> you know, Joe, after that, you know, it, Joe was fine with me. You know, it just, Terry gassed him up. And I worked Joe a million times. You know, I'm. I worked a show for Tony Falk one time with me and Joe in a chain match. Yeah. And uh, mm. I'll never forget Lori Morgan and uh, what's his name? Kershaw. Sammy Kershaw. Sammy Kershaw. Yeah. Sammy Kershaw yeah. were there. And, you really? Know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, Joe said, get me right here in front of him. He said, take that chain and just tear, punch me and tear the skin off my head. I'm like, Joe. <laughs> he said, oh, do it. <laughs> Man, I hit it. I hit. I wrapped that chain around the side of my hand, and I hit his forehead. It just peeled like an onion, you know. Oh. And, and I was like, "Oh my God!" He so hit me harder, and I was like, "Jesus Christ, Joe!" <laughs> you know, I mean, to cut him open with a hand saw. Yeah, <laughs> is that where uh, Lori Morgan got her song? I'm looking for something in red. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Could have been. Take another story about Lori Morgan and Sammy Kershaw. We did a show up in in Springfield. Yeah. And uh, you know, Sammy's a big closet Mark wrestling yeah. fan. Okay. So he wanted he wanted to do something so bad, you know, and, and so you know they were friends with Ronnie Brown, uh, the Money Man, Badass right. Brown. Right. And, uh, right. So Sammy's like, man, just just let me do something. So. He said, well, come back here and talk to Jeff. You know, Jeff's in charge of everything. So I said, all right, you know, we do so. I said, hey, look, here's what we'll do. I said, well, we come down ringside. I said, you know, I'll come traipsing around, you know, the apron and, you know, down on the floor, making our interest, and I'll see Lori. Yeah. And I'll say, oh, my God, you're Lori Morgan. And she'll say, yeah. I said, you, you know, and she'll stand up. I said, I say, oh my God, you're more beautiful in person than you are on TV. It's just, yeah. oh, thank you. And then I'll look and I'll say, oh my God, Sammy Kershaw. I said, <laughs> you stand up and say, yeah. I said, and I'll say something smart. I said, and, and just shove me. I'll take a big bump. I'll come up. 
and security will get between us, you know, like, I won't let me get to you. Yeah. Oh, my God, that would be wonderful if we could do that. I said, yeah, okay. So, you know, we come around there. I do the deal with Lori. Oh, you're more beautiful in, in person than you are on TV. I said, Sammy Kershaw, and he stood up. And that's yeah. the first time I was standing up with him. And he's like five foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, all right, what am I going to say? Yeah. Stands up and I said, you look way bigger on TV. You know, the old <laughs> wrestling thing. You know, yeah. you look bigger on TV. I said, you look bigger on TV. Well, I didn't know he had a small man complex. Oh, man. That son of a bitch. And he didn't push me. He punched me in the mouth with everything he had. Wow. Yeah. And I come up <laughs> on that floor and I was going to wipe his ass. Yeah. Yeah. He grabbed me. I'm saying, no, you better turn me loose. I'm thinking he killed this son of a bitch. He got to the back. He come back there. And he said, "How was that?" I said, "Let me tell you something, you little son of a bitch." I said, "You ever hit me like that again, I will kill you. I don't give a shit about your record label. I will kill you." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. I got a little carried away. I said, "Yeah, you did." Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. My Sammy Kershaw story. Another How one of the animals. How was that? Yeah, Louisiana boy. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of the, you know, it's what someone would maybe call what happened there with him something like, you know, weird or odd or, or disturbing behavior. How yeah. about we talk a little bit about Tim Renesto and some disturbing behavior? Let's do it. <laughs> Man, Tim's cool. I love Timmy. We got a little crossways there at the end, but we're good. Yeah. yeah, I don't know him personally other than just in the locker room and stuff. He always seemed like a guy that was a little hard to warm up to, but once you did, he was he had a dry sense of humor about him. But, you know, I mean, he comes from a legacy, a family, you know, that has a great history Absolutely. in the business and stuff. Yeah, you know. his brother, Tom Jr. I love all those guys, man. Yeah. Dad, mom was a wrestler. Yeah. Talk about the tag team, though. How, how did you all? I think Tojo 2000. Uh-huh. Um, it was, I was going to work him. And, uh, you know, because that, that was one of those points where uh, Bert was taking TV back over. So let me put my thumb on Jeffrey and ruin his career because he's <laughs> hotter than any of my guys. Of course. So yeah. he had me, he had me work in Renesto. Right. And me and Timmy went out there and just freaking tore the house down. It was the first yeah. time I'd ever met him, first time I'd been in the ring with him. And we got to the back, and I said, oh, my God, that was the easiest match I ever had in my life. And he said, I know, Mace, I couldn't believe it. It just, we didn't even have to talk. I said, I know, yeah. it just flowed. Yeah. So over a period of the next month or two, you know, I'm short heels, overabundance of baby faces. And Timmy says, man, let me turn heel. I said, better yet, why don't you turn heel, and me and you will tag up, and we'll do something. He said, yeah, yeah. that's good. So we did the heel turn on him and me and him hooked up and we worked together, you know, just, just us. And about a month or two in, Timmy came to me and said, man, I got a, I got a gimmick we could do. I said, yeah, what is it? He said, what if we call ourselves? He said, you watched that movie, Disturbing Behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Said, you know, I do this gimmick where I'm, I'm like a little bit out there. You don't know if I'm crazy or you don't know if I'm working you or you know and you everybody's just scared to death of you <laughs> he said disturbing behavior yeah i, said, I like that yeah and then uh i come up with the deal you know the two music notes 
you know, right. one for the D, one for the B, and then right. you write disturbing over the top round and and a crooked line <laughs> is behavior and it looks like a dick and balls. <laughs> so we figured we'd make a fortune out of t shirts with that, right? Yeah. Disturbing yeah. Behavior. Yeah. So we'd start working and we bring this tag team in, sudden impact. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we worked those guys for two years straight and it never got old. The people bought everything we did. And I mean, we traded the mid-America belts back and forth, back and forth. Well, Howard Brody called and said, Hey, look, I need you to send somebody down here to the 50 first, 52nd. Hell, I don't remember which one it was anniversary show in Tampa. Supporter says, who are we going to send? I said, well, me and Ernesto and Sudden Impact. He said, all right, that works. Mm-hmm. So we went down there, you know, and it's it's straight politics. You know, everybody's like, well, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. It's the best of the best from all the territories. And on top was uh, Carino dropping the belt to um, Hashimoto. Right, right. So the heavenly bodies were the new heavenly bodies. Vito and Chris were the tag team champions. So we go in with the mid America belts, you know, and they said, you know, you guys got like 11 minutes, blah, 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 you know, try to make it good. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we went out there and pulled a freaking house down and put them over, dropped the belts to them, put them over in Tampa. And, uh, Bill Barron's and, and Howard Brody caught Mike Porter and said, Mike, so what the hell were they doing? I said, what are you talking about? He said, why would Renesto and Daniels come down here to this show and put those young baby faces over? Yeah. Mike said, well, hell, I don't know. Jeff called the finish. Ask him. Yeah. So Howard come to me and he said, Jeff, why would you do that? Yeah. I said, this is not our territory. I said, our match means nothing to these people here in Tampa. This is your home. I yeah. said, we went out there. Gave them a hell of a match, left them happy, slipped the baby faces over. It's just good business. And yeah. he said, you know what? That is good business. He said, thank you. I said, well, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. <laughs> and uh, we get back to Nashville. Two weeks later, phone rings. And uh, Porter calls me. It says, hey, Howard Brody just called. He said, uh, when do you and Renesto want the world tag titles? I said, what? He said, yeah, they're going to put the world titles on y'all. I said, shit, whatever. We're going to build build something in Columbia. I said, all right. So we started building this thing up, right? So we're still working with Impact. So we have a USWO show. We booked them for three nights. It was a TV, and then we had USWO, and then we had our show where uh, they were going to put us over. So yeah. they come in on TV and just mop up somebody. I don't remember who it was. So the very first night, Impact, because they're mid-American tag champions, get the shot at them. And we're bitching, raising hell. They're, they don't deserve it, blah, blah, blah. You know, so they go out there, and they're, you know, Chris and Vito are just making them look like a million dollars. And uh, they're just about to go over we go out there, hit the ring because of disqualification. It costs them the world titles. So the next night, we go over for the world titles in Colombia, and it puts them as the number one contenders, puts Impact as number one contenders. So our thing continues to go, 
only announced that in Mid America were the world champions. And uh, I mean, we traveled around to some of the uh, you know the territories, Battle Zone, and uh, up in Indiana, and you know around down to fields for Hardcore Hell. And, you know, we traveled around a good bit with those belts. But um, the deal was, we were going to get the belts for about four months. Then we were going to drop them back to the bodies. They were going to finish their allotted run, which was like six more months. Then they would drop them back to us, and we'd get a two-year run with them. Yeah. Yeah, great. So, you know, we did our time with them. We go down to Florida. We put them over in Winter Haven, drop the belts back to them. And that's right about the time that TNA was starting up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they wanted us to come in and work. Jarrett wanted to see us as the NWA World Tag Champions. And Renesto pitched a bitch because he wasn't going to pay us. He wanted to come in and showcase us. Sure. I said, sure. I said, Timmy, come on, man. I said, we had a pay-per-view every freaking Saturday if we get this spot. We're the world champions. What's going to stop us? Right. My dad would kill me if I went in there and worked for nothing. He'd tell me I was an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Timmy, come on, man. Everybody yeah. and their brother's going in there doing this, trying to get a spot. Right. I ain't right. doing it. I ain't doing it. So we didn't do it. So we go down, drop the belts to the bodies, and right about the time that happens, they announce that uh, they're going to be NWA, NWA, TNA, and yeah. they just procured all the world titles. Oh, man. So <sighs> bodies immediately had to go to Pensacola or somewhere, Sarasota, I'm not sure. They had to go somewhere and drop it to the, what was those twins? What what did they call those twins? They came up here as the Johnsons. They had them dressed like condoms with masks. I know what you're talking about. Was Oh, my gosh. The power uh, twins. Uh, something well, you like know that. Who I'm talking about. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. But anyway, they, they put the belts on them. They came in, couldn't hang, so they dropped the belts to somebody, and then all of us were done, and it was just Jarrett's guys. Yeah. Do you feel like that would have been an opportunity, though, that you would have been able to take advantage of? Do you feel like that was a no-brainer? Basically, it was an opportunity that if you could have talked Tim into it, you would have had a job there. Absolutely. You know who yeah. got our spot? You know Who's who that? got our spot? Who's the that? Natural. Oh, of course. Well, there the you go. Got our spot. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were okay. guys. They, they yeah. deserved it. Those guys sure. are tremendous. I love Andy. As a matter of fact, Dominique's going to see Andy right now getting her back fixed. Oh, okay. Well, good deal. Yeah. Yeah. But, Chase uh, and Andy you know, were great. Yeah. You know, I like the tag team of Cassidy and Chase too. You know, the hot shots, yeah, you know, hot shot. great Actually, tag team. It might've been the hot shots at that point. Got that spot. Yeah, man. What a great tag team they were, dude. You know, but yeah, I, I have I, no doubt in my mind, we could have got that spot. Cause if you, if you look at any disturbing behavior matches, dude, we were a well-oiled machine, the three of us. I mean, it was nonstop uh, from get to go. And yeah. uh, they pull those belts off of us, and then all of a sudden they had the belts, and they're like, well, you know, we're not getting those world titles back, and I'm sorry, Jeff. You know, I promised you guys a two-year run with them. So, but Timmy kind of screwed that up for y'all. So, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, I get it. So they brought back the NWA television title because I had the longest-running TV of any NWA franchise. Yeah. They didn't call it the world TV title. Right. They called it the worldwide TV title. <laughs> so Burton did a little deal. He got it. Well, anyway, I ended up, I ended up 
with the belt. Yeah. And over a period of time, Bill Barron's started referring to it as the world TV title. And he said, look, I promised you those tag run for two years with the world titles. He said, I can't give you that, but I can give you this TV title. So yeah. I had like a three-year run with that. I even got a, a trophy from them for the longest reign as the NWA TV champion. That's wild, man. That's awesome. Like the, awesome. Yeah. the little, you know, the guys wrestling that trophy. Yeah. Like when uh, Memphis wrestling used to come on. Barron's had good stuff going on down there, too. You know, I know Luke Hawks is down there. There's some great guys. Wolfie was down there some. There's some great guys yeah. working down there, too. So, you know, you, yeah. you were in there with them. So I know we're, you know, we're kind of running low on time here. I don't want to ever rush you off. But the one thing I do want to talk about before we go, obviously, you and I, we got to meet. The first time I ever met you was on a benefit show. And I can't remember who it was for, but it was a benefit show in Columbia. I was managing Plunkett and Jablonski, and you were there. Honestly, what I thought you were was Powers Booth from the Tombstone. And I was like, <laughs> you to me, that's who you look like at the time. I had obviously known who you were, but what I mean by that is to me, you look like him. But talk oh, about yeah. this, you know, before we let you go, the main person I want to talk about too is the, is the brotherhood with Josephus. Josephus was a friend of mine, you know, loved him to death. I do know that he's one guy that absolutely loved you man and absolutely looked up to you and y'all's tag team the brotherhood was so cool i mean just talk about joe a little bit he's just such a great guy i mean well spoken well educated you know everything that you saw in the ring was 180 degrees to his real life he was exactly a gentle yeah. guy. you know you know him yeah um, yeah yeah we came in and we did that gimmick i I quit NWA because I just, I'd had enough. And, yeah. um, you know, Paul Adams called me and said, brother, just come go to work. It's fun over here. I said, wrestling <laughs> is not fun. He said, it is fun over here. <laughs> I said, all right. So Christmas night, I showed up at a, at a saw show, choked Hammer Jack out with a, um, with a coat hanger. And we yeah. started this deal, you know, that it was a biker gimmick that we didn't call any names, but supposedly, you know, it was a, Big biker gang in the Houston area. We won't call right. any names. So sure. Hunted down. <laughs> but we called it the brother. We would just say the brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and then I was sent in. There's a wartime concierge now, and it's time to, to pay the piper. Right. So I was sent in to take care of some stuff with him. And they brought Josephus in as like my bulldozer. Okay. Yeah. And totally changed his gimmick, you know, from the Josephus Brody, which he was doing the Brody gimmick, but he still leaned toward that. But we did the biker gimmick, and right, you know, it was it was so fun. I just yeah. loved doing it. And then he started breaking off on his own and doing some stuff, you know. And I was on my way out. I was just I'd had enough, man. I was like fifty two years old and had a heart attack and wrestled two more years after that. I was just like, man, I'm done. Still the coolest dude in the locker room, though. <laughs> <laughs> I said it once. I said it a hundred times. Yeah. So Joe, to me, you know, we did a tribute show to Joe last year on the Wolfie yeah. D show. We'll do it again this year. We'll make sure to have you on to say some words about him. But Joe, to me, he was a genius. I think he was probably men's a level genius. He also. Absolutely. 
was so well read. He also was not above talking about some crazy stuff too. So the funniest thing to me is he knew that I was a huge Gary Hart mark. I, I've always been a Gary yeah. Hart mark. I modeled my look after Gary Hart. It helped that I was six foot two bald and had a beard. But at the same time, I modeled my style and everything after Gary Hart, even down to the razor blade I carried with me. But, you know, <laughs> so, Bruce Lamb. He was, I tell you, brother, Muta. Anyway, so he, he he said to me one day, and I'll never forget this, and you know this, because I know you know Joe in his deadpan demeanor. He said, Jimmy, you like Gary Hart, and your name is Jimmy. He says, why don't you go by Jimmy Hart? And then... <laughs> And he was and serious as a heart attack when he never broke his smile. And then I said, I said, but Joe, he was like, oh, wait. <laughs> I'll never exactly. forget that exchange. He was a yeah. pretty good river, but it, it was very dry humor. Very dry. You yeah, really man. had to, you had to know him to get it. Sure. But it was sure. hilarious, the stuff he did. I'm so happy he got a yeah. little bit of rub down there in NWA with Billy Corgan. I didn't love the question mark gimmick, but I was glad that he he had a gimmick on him. I know every one of us have had gimmicks we didn't like, you know what I mean? And and yeah. to know that he had something that was getting him a, a little bit of, of a rub, I was happy to see that. And, you know, to just drop so soon, you know, I know, you know, we're never promised the next minute. You know what I mean? Right. And, yeah, that was a and, shock. That was just like true everybody was shocked yeah and and heartbreaking and i you know yeah uh, i just uh i just i didn't want to end this on a bad note but at the same time I, it is a little sad to talk about josephus in that way but i did love that gimmick y'all were doing that tag team i love the brotherhood because you know it was right around the time of the sons of anarchy tv show not to say y'all yeah. were ripping that off i'm just saying it no, was i think that's where I think that's where Paul got that from, though. It was, yeah, and, you know, elemental of the times, and Sons of Anarchy was well, doing big things. And, you know, and I remember that gimmick going well, and then, obviously, you and I got to work together some more later on. But, you know, Jeff, uh, you know, we can talk all night and a, then a little longer, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, can we get a promise that you'll come back on and talk some more with us sometime? Yes, please. Stay in touch. Yes, sir. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been really fun, and uh, it's good to reminisce a little bit. You know, yeah, you get away yeah. from it, out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Well, I know the whole scene out there looks up to you, man. So to know that you came on my show and my brother's show is it means a lot to me that you did this. So we'll definitely make sure and promote it. Now, tell me this: where can they find you if the, if the listeners are out there and want to learn a little more about Jeff Daniels? Where can they find you? Uh, YouTube NWA main event classics. Yeah, uh, Brian Turner has got tons of stuff. They're starting. To, he's starting now. Some disturbing behavior stuff coming out. That, I saw uh, that. Yeah. I had no clue that was even around. Yeah, you know, I didn't yeah. know there was any footage of that at all because Bert made sure we got no TV time when we were the world champions. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I've talked to Brian. I'm, yeah. I'm, we've got something cooking that I think is because we're kind of the audio version of a represent. Not only do we represent all of pro wrestling in, in a sense, I do have a strong feeling for that Middle Tennessee area, obviously, for myself. So we do represent a strong portion of that with Cassidy and Chris Michaels and Hammerjack. And we've had all kinds of guys yeah. on and we, we're going to have a ton more. But Brian is also the video version of that. And Brian, honestly, is is doing such a cool thing that 
that I know it's good for the guys to be able to see their stuff, especially for some of you guys that probably thought some of that stuff would, like you said about that, would never be seen again, you know? And yeah, well, you know, since he started doing that, you know, and I'm just like, oh my God, Brian, thank you so much. And I mean, it's just, it warms my heart to see some of this stuff. And in the process of all that, Tim Mitchell comes out and says, I've still got all that footage on beta. And Brian <laughs> says, well, I've got a machine that I can dub that over. So I think they're supposed to get together and swap some footage. So wow. man, there's, there's no telling what kind of footage is going to be out there before long. And I can't I'm wait. I'm extremely happy because I yeah. really, I made my mark here in Middle Tennessee. Yeah, you, you know, did. I've been around, did. I've caught the end of the territories, but Middle Tennessee made me. Is that where you are nowadays, Jeff? Yeah, I'm still right here in Nashville. Yeah. How's it going out there? Oh, it's nice, man. Yeah, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. It's out here on the lake, and I'm happy. Hey, man, you deserve it, brother. Well, I thank you so much for coming on our show. You know, Jared, you want to say anything before we go? Yeah, I just appreciate you coming on, Jeff. Nice to talk with you. Nice to meet you through this, and we're, we're looking forward to having you in the future, too. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much. Jimmy, thank you. I appreciate you, this. And uh, we're getting ready to get off here. I'll just leave you with a little uh, cripplerism, if so. Please do. Yeah. If I said it once, I said it a hundred times. I'd rather go to my mama's funeral than my own. They don't call me the crippler for nothing. Somebody's going to get hurt. That's beautiful. We'll That's be awesome, right back. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. All right, we are back. And thank you all so much for listening to that excellent interview we had with Jeff the Crippler Daniels. I'm telling you, man, is he not a cool dude or is he not? I mean, he just has got great stories, right? Man, I mean, he was he was just going. I mean, he, he kind of made us adjust our questions on the fly because he had, he was telling stories that we were going to ask. And it's like, Oh, we don't need to ask that question anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's a storyteller, man. And that's great. It works out great for a conversation like this. Uh, Yeah, it does. And he he was so, I was like, hold up. (laughs) (laughs) He blew right past past one thing. I know. I know. I I was like, bro, (laughs) let's go back here. All right. So you're, you're already three years into the business and what was your first match? (laughs) (laughs) But like I said, Jeff's a great guy. We're going to have him back on. I can't wait for that. We'll have him with, his longtime manager, valet, and wife, Dominique, who actually is a legend in her own right. So we'll definitely enjoy having her on. I would love to have her perspective on things, too, because truly she was trained basically by Jeff and Skandar Akbar. So think about that. You've got... You've learned the business from Jeff, who's amazing, and Skandar Agbar, who's honestly one of the most 
underrated managers of all time. And impersonally, what's so funny about that is my gimmicks in the business, Prince Omar Alkazan, Skandar Akbar was my number one influence for that. And then, you know, of course, I turned into Gary Hart, which was my, my second influence. But my very first influence absolutely was Skandar Akbar. So anyway, great Great episode there with Jeff. We'll have Jeff back on, whether we do it with some watch-alongs, whether we just keep talking about his career. Because, you know, the funny thing was is that, you know, he, he's he got so much other stuff we could talk about. I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface there with him. So, yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the next thing I want to do here, and this is something that you and I have discussed, and we're going to introduce a new segment to the show. Now, this one, you know, is is interesting because it's so well suited to you yeah. because this is literally kind of like your part-time job essentially. <laughs> so, what we've My done side hustle. Yeah, your side hustle. So, we've developed a new segment that you came to me about yeah. and you were like, "Hey, I want to do this." And so the name of the segment is what? Sheik fell down a YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah. So essentially, Sheik fell down a rabbit hole. Sheik fell. I mean, the the name is pretty much explanatory to what he's going to talk about. But the cool thing is, is where you're going to talk about a quick video or just a video that you've seen for the week that has just really struck you. You started in one spot and you ended up in another. And I think this will be fun. Now, of course, with every segment that we do, Jimmy being the guy that thinks this way, I have to have an entrance song. And so. So whenever I need an entrance song, I always have to go to my homie, Tracy Bird. Tracy Bird is a longtime punk rock, horror punk, hard rock legend in the Southwest Virginia, West Virginia scene. He is in a huge band, amazing band, longtime great band named Blitz Kid. Then he's also in an incredible band called A Gathering of None that to me, they kind of do all the music that he and I loved back in the day. So like we were big fans of a band called Chum. We were big fans of a band called Only Living Witness and basically Tracy not to say they're ripping them off but they're taking that mantle and they're going with it and I just love it so if you haven't heard A Gathering of None you know I know you've probably heard Blitz Kid but if you haven't ever heard A Gathering of None go do that right now because they are the main music providers for all of my James Rock Street production shows so whether you hear him on Live and in Color with Wolfie D whether you hear him on Jablonski's Pissed Off whether you hear him on the Mothership here, give me back my pro wrestling. You'll hear music from Tracy in some way, somehow. So I don't want to get too far into that, but go support him. He also just wrote a brand new song for Mike DeBlanc's tag team called Bad Omen. It's killer, man. You can find it on our Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling podcast Facebook page and just go check it out, man. He does great stuff and I think y'all will love it. I guess I'm going to shut up because you're going to take over here. So let me go ahead and say this just like I always do DJ. Hit the music. Wrestling videos that you got a rabbit hole. Wrestling videos that she got a rabbit hole. Wrestling videos that she got a rabbit hole. Wrestling videos that she got a rabbit hole. So, brother, have you ever been scrolling on your phone, looking at stuff like particularly YouTube? I was scrolling on YouTube and, you know, I start out my time on there with maybe watching a few YouTube shorts. You know, I'm a big fan of the shorts on there. Yeah. Might, might watch a wrestling video, might listen to 
a legend in his podcast and might watch a uh, video game video or, or whatever. And then all of a sudden I find myself five or six clicks down the road. <laughs> I'm watching something I've never watched before. And it's amazing. Yeah. And I came across a video of Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper in TNA. Oh, uh, from December 4th, 2002. I, I never really knew much about Roddy and uh, TNA because I was in college here and then and had my mind on my studies somewhat instead of uh, wrestling. So I see him in the, in, the, in the ring. I'm watching the video, and he is just cutting a scathing promo on Vince Russo. Yeah. I mean, he is just obliterating Russo <laughs> about basically saying that, you know, Vince Russo or somebody like him is responsible for the death of Owen Hart. And he even calls him his cousin, Owen, because he always referred to the Hearts as his cousins, although they weren't. Vince Russo said he is the antichrist of professional wrestling. Russo, don't give yourself so much credit. You are simply the Ben Laden of professional wrestling. Whoa! You are a coward! You are a coward that comes and sneaks in by night. I've got a question for you fans. The ones at home, you here with children. For two years, Russo wrote all kinds of things for the WWF. I have this question. Hey, Russo, did you write in my cousin Owen's death? No. Did you write home? Did you ask about his family? He's dead! He was my cousin, he's dead. Why? Because someone like you, who knows nothing about the technicalities, put somebody 90 feet up. Why? There's no consequences to pay for you. Well, you know what? Everybody pays the piper, man. It's just amazing. He's just like totally destroying Russo. And Russo actually comes out and he, I don't know if he thinks he's going to get one up on Roddy or if he's going to take yeah, the microphone and then stop it. It doesn't happen, though. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I just always thought, what was Vince Russo going to do? He would have got whipped all over that ring by Roddy Piper. Even even an older Roddy Piper would have just destroyed him. Yeah. It's not even, yeah. It's not even funny what would have happened to Vince Russo. But the topic does make you think. Like, I think there are real, real concerns in the business that Vince Russo's kind of Jerry Springer-esque ideas probably led to some people damaging their careers, dying like Owen Hart or, you know, uh, other misfortunes. Um, you know, the, the Hawk thing, Road Warrior Hawk, you know, he, he did that angle where he was drunk and everything like that. And, you know, that hit a little too close to home, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, he had the brawl for the awe idea, which was, you know, kind of crazy. Really throwing hands out there. And they could be entertaining, and they probably probably a lot of stuff we saw from Vince Russo was. But the fact that Roddy must be really convinced that he or somebody like him that had stroke in WWF at the time contributed to the death of his his friend, his cousin, whatever he wants to call him, Owen Hart. Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Have you ever seen the video before? Oh yeah, I've I've saw I saw it. Yeah, for sure. And here's the thing about it, you know, Piper. There's two ways to look at this. Okay. Piper, absolutely, and positively, if he felt convicted in that way to say that, he would absolutely go out there and say that. That's the beauty of the believability of it. But also, 
Russo is almost sadistic in a way enough to write that to where he would make his own angle about him being evil and killing Owen. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. there's like there and that's the problem with that one is because I do believe that Piper would say that if he felt that I hundred percent believe that. I and, heard an interview I heard an interview with Piper that said it was a complete shoot. Yeah, and again, I love Piper, but Piper is a worker oh, I, to the I know, core. I know I know that. I'm just saying but, that. but that's again, the only thing I could go on is what Piper said that it was a complete shoot. Now, yeah, again, like you said, all wrestlers are workers. So, and he's one of the best of yes. all time. So, you know, knowing that though, I like to take it at face value just because it's the way I feel like Piper should feel. And so, you know, not playing devil's advocate on this one, I want to actually believe that Piper felt that way. So, yeah, I saw that. I thought it was a great one. You know, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's funny because when you're like doing the YouTube thing, man. You get in there, and how many times have you heard this? Yeah, I went in there. My car got declined. I bought yeah. the whole store. Yeah. Now, now yeah. I own two, two-thirds of the company. Yeah. It's like, oh, Shaq. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. So it's either a Shaq story about him buying everything. My biggest purchase in Walmart history. I've heard yeah, it like big, four yeah. billion times. And then also there's the other one of Snoop Dogg's, like Nas and Tupac. Nas oh, and yeah. <laughs> Nas ain't got anybody with him, but he's got everybody with him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's I like see he ain't got nobody with him. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's got people with him. It's yeah. like Snoop Dogg always is great for having those quips where he's like, they can take a piece of his conversation and put it on there. And, and Snoop Dogg is superbly quotable. Shaq yes. is just great for showing that he's rich. Anyway, that's how I usually end up falling down the rabbit hole of YouTube. <laughs> So it's good that you came out to at least a wrestling video, you know. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to try to keep it on this with this uh, segment to wrestling videos because uh, sure, if sure. We, it's hard to tell where we end up if we uh, let we the rabbit hole really go far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think that was a good one, man. I think I think actually, how long is that video? By the it's way, it's like five to six minutes, something like that. Yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely put the link in our show notes for you to click on that and and watch that because honestly, man, I tell you, I don't know if we'll develop this into a watch along. I don't know how we'll do this, but I almost think that eventually it could be a watch along yeah. where we actually watch the video and we'll play the clip on the show. I don't care, and we'll we'll see how things go. But yeah, good job on the very first chic fell down a rabbit hole. Man, all right. Well, good job, Sheik. I enjoyed that segment, brother. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. It's a, you know, I'm addicted in a way to YouTube videos, so it, uh, you know, helped put them to some good purpose for our, our podcast. So, yeah, man, absolutely. Always good. You keep me in fresh material, too, because we you're always sending me a video of something. So, you know, I appreciate that you do that. You also co-run our podcast pages, and you actually do that for the Live and in Color with Wolfie D and Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. So, you know, if you see something on YouTube that you like, 50% of the time it's you, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll stick with that, and I, I like how you do that. You help me out. You kind of understand the algorithm a little better on things, and so that's very appreciated. But I think, I think well, that's well, it. A co-host should help the host out, right? A co-host should help the well. The, I'm your co-host, and you're my co-host. <laughs> We're just co-hosts here. But anyway, you know, 
I think that's going to be it for the day. I'd, I'd love to just tell you all right now, if you don't mind, go rate and review. If you just heard this on something, either subscribe, like, rate, five stars, give a little review. Say, hey, this is great. Hey, do this. Hey, we'd love to hear you do this, whatever. You know, we're always open for comments, but also compliments. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, once again, got to thank Jeff. He was awesome, man. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on the show. Very appreciative. We'll have him back on, like I said before. But as we always say, please go to our social media pages at GMBMPW. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, like, follow, click whatever, friend, however you want to do it, and do that on all of those pages. We greatly appreciate it. We're even going to probably get a Plastic Chic Instagram one day, right? Someday. Yeah, one of those days. What's funny is Insane Shane, he was like, tell the Plastic Chic to come follow me on Facebook. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) I'll tell him to follow us first. (laughs) Anyway, that's funny. But anyway, we we thank you all so much for listening in today. You you got anything for him, Chic? Thank Jeff again for coming on and giving us an interview and talking to us, telling the stories. And uh, it's just a good time to be a wrestling fan and uh, in the wrestling podcast world. Hey, I like that. We're going to leave it with that then. So thanks again, y'all. Have a good day. We'll be back next time with Mr. Gene Jackson watching Thunder in Paradise. Yes, by the way, that's going to be hilarious. Gene's a comedian, too. He's not only a podcast host. He's actually a live working comedian. So that is part of the main reason I brought him into watching the first two episodes of Thunder in Paradise next episode. So stick around. You're going to love it. Thanks again. See you next time on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Don't forget, fight the crippler. (laughs) Or or maybe don't. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.